0: Well, welcome today to uh, The Art of Relationship, a podcast that we're doing here with Dr. Tim Yohoff. I'm Dr. Chris Grace, and uh, we have uh, been excited to bring you a number of topics related to the art of relationships. And today, interestingly enough, we're going to bring you on. If we were to call this podcast something different today, I think it would be The Science of Relationships. Because, Tim, today I think it would be great for us to dive into a discussion about one of the leading marital researchers in the world who's out there who has sold hundreds of books, who has done an amazing amount of work, who people point to as being probably one of the premier researchers, and that's John Gottman. And so let's talk about John Gottman today um, and a little bit about some of his work. People have asked about it. Is it good? Do you like it? What are some things that we can take home from it? And Tim, I think in your area in communications, my area in psychology,
1: he has made a big impact. And so it might be good to to do that today. Let's what do you think? Yeah, we get asked all the time, who are the people that we read? Who are the people that we're aware of? And absolutely, when it comes to marriage and relationships, John Gottman is like at the top of the list in popularity-wise, both in academic circles and in popular circles. He's really been able to cross the bridge. And again, this isn't going to be like a love fest of John Gottman. We really appreciate his work. Uh, we use his stuff and even the materials we do for the Center for Marriage and Relationships. But, but there are critiques of him. And if you want to Google uh, Gottman and critique, of Gottman, no doubt you'll hear some academics talking about maybe his usage of percentages and uh, how vast his claims are and how dogmatic he can be. So uh, we don't want this to be an overly technical Mm -hmm. discussion, but he has a lot of great things that you just need to be aware of and even think about as you're navigating your own relationships. And what's great about Gottman is, though he primarily focuses on marriage, this can be used in roommate relationships. Um, You don't have to be married to take a look at what he's saying. These are great principles of human communication. I think that's exactly right. What what Will do
0: is let's spend some time doing that, and on another podcast, uh, let's take some other authors that you also, uh, both of us, have used and and have worked with, including yeah. Gary Thomas, uh, who's written some work, you know, Sacred Marriage, for example, yeah. and some other
1: things, and let's spend some time with some other researchers as well and some good books. What do you think? Uh, it sounds good. Everybody loves a good book. Yeah. Even right. more important, everybody loves not having to read the book and kind of get the clip notes. <laughs> so let's do so. it, man. Let's take one of the New York Times
0: bestsellers, uh, Million Copies Sold, uh, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. He has another book called Why Marriages Succeed or Fail and How You Can Make Yours Last. So let's talk about it. John Gottman's work uh, with that. Uh, what stands out to you, Tim? And, and what is immediately when, you, when someone asks, hey, why would you recommend him or this book? What, what comes to mind?
1: Well, what comes to mind is this, this powerful quote that I always share with my students but I don't complete the quote, I read on the board, Gottman says this, the first thing to die in a marriage is, and then I just write blank. Mm -hmm. And I say to my students, or we say at a CMR conference, a going deeper conference, marriage conference, what would you put in the blank? What is the first thing, according to Gottman with all of his research, the first thing that dies? And the answer is, drum roll, politeness, which is super convicting. Because Chris, remember, like when we're dating, yeah. when I'm dating Noreen, oh my gosh, you just fall over each other, right, yeah. honey? Thank you so much for doing. Oh, thank you for thinking of me. Oh, yeah. thank you for saying thank you to me. And then you get married, and I think Gottman's right. It's like, hey, what time's dinner? Yeah. And why, why, weren't my, why wasn't my laundry? What's yeah. I, I remember when we were first married, I said to Noreen, hey, what's for dinner? And Noreen said, I don't know. What are you making? <laughs> right? <laughs> but I think he's right. That politeness just kind of goes by the wayside.
0: Yeah. No. See, there's a, so much... The reason I think Gottman is so um, powerful and influential in some respects in this field is because he does take two things. He does very well. One, he takes and he looks at relationships from a scientific perspective. Uh, he has a great lab. He's been spending time there, him and his researchers, and they... You you know, they come up with, you know, great, interesting findings. But then also he seems to narrow it down to things like the most successful way a relationship works uh, is by, you know, somebody keeping or maintaining what. So he'll, he'll that my quote that I like to start off with, he will say uh, that you can best summarize a good marriage with one word. And in fact, they asked him one time, they said, John, if you had to take all of your research, everything you've ever done, and you had to narrow it down to one principle, one phrase, one idea as to why marriages succeed or fail, what would you do? And he says, I'll give you one word. Wow, and he said that word is friendship, Mm. and see, look, it's it's related to politeness, and it goes like this: couples that succeed in all of their research, couples that thrive and do well, are almost always identified with the same idea, and that is their relationship is based upon a solid, deep, and an abiding friendship. Well, that doesn't really tell us everything it means, but it tells us enough to go. If you want a couple to succeed, if you want to find a good
1: marriage. You start with how do you cultivate a friendship, right? And I I wonder if we went and just checked some of the top um, money producing movies today from Hollywood and did like a, a thematic analysis of these movies and to say, what is it that, that, that they start with? Yeah. I think a lot of them would be passion, this, this like yeah. deep attraction to each other. Yeah. And it, then maybe that bleeds into a friendship yeah. eventually, yeah. but Gottman's saying, no, 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 go back. It's the friendship, it's the friendship with friendship, yeah. this thing. Because so many times we do this quick um, analysis of the, uh, if you're single, you look very quickly at people and you think, no, friend. Yeah. No, I'm attracted to this person. Mm-hmm. Nah, this is just a friend. Well, I think what Gottman's saying, by the way, C.S. Lewis would say the same yeah. thing yeah. about friendship. Yeah. Yeah. Those friends, we ought to take really hard looks at to say, you know, maybe this would be a great dating relationship just to see if it could go in that direction. Yeah, that's right. That's good. Two great quotes from Gottman. Yeah.
0: And so, if if our readers aren't familiar, uh, remember, um, one more time, it's John Gottman. He's written a couple of uh, famous and and well-known and well-used books, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work or Why Marriages Succeed or Fail. And he studied up uh, in what he called, or they identified as the love lab up in in Seattle, Washington, (laughs) where they bring couples in. And what is intriguing is the way they've set this lab up, right? And they they bring in couples. They wire an apartment uh, so they can record both audio and video of couples. And they have them live there for a week. And then what they do at the end is they analyze the tape and they analyze the interactions. They look at things like they've been influenced by a Researcher in, in my field named Paul Ekman who studied facial expression. Mm. So they have facial expression coding. They list, they look for emotional, you know, signs of nonverbal emotion, uh, signs of anger, or whatever these other things They're are. They're
1: hooked up for, right? Yep. Blood pressure, and respiratory, yep. all that kind of stuff. That's yeah. exactly right. And so from
0: that data, he takes, uh, he's able to go very deep with these couples. And from that, it can make some very amazing uh, in, interpretations and findings. So I think that's why. Some of his book has been successful, and some of his
1: materials have gone... And out. the key about the Love Lab is... Because on one hand, you would think this, right? If Noreen and I are part of a, a study, mm-hmm. and we're going to be there for a week, mm-hmm. and we know that we're being studied, yeah. there's no way I'm going to be the loser couple that has an actual argument in front of John <laughs> Gottman and all uh, of his researchers. Yeah. But what they discovered was, based on questionnaires, and, and when you found out what your Partner said about you when it comes to finances, there's just this great moment yep. where couples are like, Really? Yeah, yeah. Am I going to go there? And yeah. at, over a week, they go there. Oh, they do. It doesn't take very long that they found as <laughs> many people just kind of start ignoring the cameras and they just
0: start living, right? Like, oh, right. dear Lord. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. So, Let's talk then, if, if you were to recommend this book, there are some other things that you would do, and, and I think there's some principles. Let's dive into one um, that, you, that, that stands out to you, um,
1: and go ahead. Chris, I think what, what has been the most helpful thing for me and Noreen, um, and even speaking at conferences, I bring this up every single time, is Gottman said, the secret to marriage is what he called a five-to-one ratio. Uh-huh. Five positive interactions uh-huh. for every one negative interaction. Okay. So um, uh, what's a positive interaction? Mm-hmm. Don't think of things like super grandiose or you know, buying you a, a pony. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a positive interaction could be looking at your spouse and smiling. Yeah. A positive interaction would be to send him or her a text message. Yeah. A positive interaction would be you get up and ask your roommate, "Hey, I'm going to get some ice cream. You want some?" Yeah. I mean, all of and you talk about facial stuff. Yeah. Just a, a smile when you're when you're yeah. a friend walks in the room or your spouse walks in the room and you smile. That's a positive interaction. But he's saying, and I think sometimes we react against this. Like I want to say. Five to one. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking if I'm doing two, <laughs> two to one, one yeah. three to one is yeah. divine. Yeah. Certainly a pony has got to be worth <laughs> three. <laughs> <But> come on. <laughs> but five to one ratio, that's really yeah. interesting way to think about my interaction with both my wife, my kids, my colleagues, very powerful to think that way.
0: Yeah, I think what happens is, and, and really it's about it's about being nice to each other in mm-hmm. some respects, mm-hmm. right? And these positive moments, he, I, I love his notion that he talks a little bit about this uh, idea of a positive sentiment override. Mm. And that means that positive thoughts about each other are so pervasive that they supersede their negative ones. Yeah. And he that's why the five to one is there, because one, that negative can be pretty impactful, pretty strong, pretty damaging, and that notion of five actually shows that those moments, those positive moments kind of nurture affection, right? And they give
1: people this ability to weather the rough spots.
0: That's right. So it's a great it's a great <clears throat> uh, ratio.
1: And I think it can be made even more effective. Like when we do premarital counseling with couples mm-hmm. or we speak at uh, marriage conferences, we have people sit down and actually write out give me 10 positive interactions from your perspective. Like, Mm -hmm. what really do you view as a compliment? Like, let's say you walk home and you write down as one of your five positive interactions. I would love for my spouse just to get up and give me a hug. I would love for my spouse to say, Yep. How was your day? Yep. So you actually write out the ten yeah. and then we have people write out five negative interactions. Yeah. Man, the more that kind of understanding of what yep. what I find positive and yep. what I find negative can be really powerful.
0: Yeah, too. I think I think what's really important there is, uh, for example, some people think, okay, I'm just not going to be negative, so I am going to give you nothing. I'm gonna I'm gonna give Good. you no yeah. emotion whatsoever. Therefore, while I'm not being positive, at least it's not going to count against the ratio. Yeah. And that notion could be very damaging because he go, he went on, and others have shown this same thing that in a couple relationship in which one person is neutral or actually keeping any emotion away from the other person, they call it stonewalling, which is one of his other ideas, which is one of the main four horsemen, right? Somebody who stonewalls, who doesn't give you emotional feedback while it may not be negative, in reality, is listed for many couples as a negative. I talk to you and you don't yep. talk back. You, you It's almost like you zone out. It's like you're not interacting with me. And so when they list these positive and negatives, it's funny because some people go, wait a minute, that's not a negative, that's a neutral. When in reality, its it's perceived that way.
1: Another quote I write on the whiteboard for my students, the opposite of love is not hate, it's... And then I draw another blank. Mm-hmm. And the answer is indifference. That's right. Hate is actually yep. a very powerful yep. emotion. It is, yeah. I'm a huge hockey fan. You know that. Yep. We're, we actually like different hockey teams. I'm from Hockeytown. Yep. We've won 11 Stanley Cups in Detroit, Michigan. And the, the Ducks in Anaheim have won. <laughs> well, we won once. Won once. once. Okay, good. So <laughs> hockey is like hugely uh, important. And <clears throat> for me, a positive interaction is that Noreen will say something as simple as, Hey, isn't hockey season starting? Mm-hmm. I looked at her one time. I said, "That is the most arousing thing you've ever <laughs> <laughs> said to me." Right. So these positive interactions are yeah. just incredibly important, and not just to be indifferent towards each other, because that is often interpreted as you just don't care. Yeah. Right. That's great. So let's um, understand each other as much as possible, and, and let's not debate the negatives. Yep. I, I might want to. Like I remember one time a negative we got when we were married. Uh, early, I think this was like within our first month after coming mm-hmm. home from the honeymoon. I'm shaving, mm-hmm. and I'm letting the water run. <laughs> it's like my centering moment, right? Mm-hmm. I hear the water hit the basin. It's like this chi moment, right? I love it. Noreen turns to me and says, honey, w- don't let the water run. <laughs> I said, oh, no, no, Noreen, you need to know. This is my centering moment. <laughs> this is how I begin. This is how I'm with the force of the universe. And Noreen said, yeah, but we're paying the water bill. <laughs> And I just kind of looked at her in this moment. So for Noreen, that's, right. that's just like this irritating yep. little negative yep. when I let the water run. And yep. again, I need to just say, seriously, I'm going to fight this battle. Yep. I'm going to remove that negative. And by the yep. way, even my removing the negative is seen as yep. a positive. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a great way to think it, about it. It's a great way to think about it. Let's yep. try
0: another one of his that I think is fascinating, and that is The Magic of Five Hours. So um, it's, they have done research, which I think is is powerful in that they have taken couples that were struggling, and they looked at these couples, and they found a difference in th- after three years. So they looked at them at time A, time one. Three years later, they follow up, right? All these couples were struggling. But at time three, but within this third year, there were many couples who are now at, out of struggle. They were thriving. Oh, wow. So... He took and compared who is now, after three years, they were in this at-risk group. Now they're thriving. And then there were some who didn't change. They were still struggling. And he said, what's the difference between these two? And he found that the answer was the magic, he said, of five hours. Couples who are thriving have simply found five more hours a week, a week to invest into their relationship. And that's that was the one variable that separated out the thriving couples from the still striving couples, five hours a week. So... That, think Doing about Doing what?
1: Like, like what, what It would could be, the... be
0: literally anything. If you wow. took a lunch uh, and had lunch together that you didn't have before during the week, that's one hour. You can count that. Walking it, the dog. If you walk the dog together yeah. one night or twice a week, all of a sudden now, if you took a 45-minute walk, now you're almost there at five hours. It's if you had a Saturday afternoon date, uh, or if you did dishes together, whatever it is, oh, five hours. Don't go hour. go. <laughs> why? Chris, why? Sorry about the dishes. We were having a yeah. great conversation,
1: and you poisoned. <laughs> The well. <laughs> so at
0: this point, that to me shows that there's some. First of all, there's intentionality there. There's and so these couples probably now are able to do a little bit more reflecting during these times. And again, it's nothing magic. It's not like a date every week.
1: But again, that could count. Now and that's seasons of life, Chris. Because yep. you think of you think of a couple with toddlers. I mean, they're losing their mind. There's just no time. Remember that study that was done in communication circles? How many minutes a day Uh did a couple have significant conversation? I remember it was like three minutes. Now, people will say, wait a minute, I talk to my spouse more than three minutes a day. Yeah, but that's organizational communication. Like, hey, remember, Tommy's got a Taekwondo practice. Remember, Sarah's got to be here. Remember, we got that. That's organizational. We're talking significant conversation. Couples were like less than three minutes. So them getting to that five hours might seem like a gargantuan step. So it's gonna take forethought and it's gonna take intentionality, but what a great way to think in terms of those five hours, where are we doing on any kind of given week? Yep, and you could do so many cool things that way. That you know does do, won't
0: it won't be hard to do. You know, he even found people were just simply you know making sure they spent a few minutes saying goodbye and hello at parting. You know, and the going yeah, together. Yep. You know, and saying you know, I mean, a few minutes just to say, Hey, honey, how's your day? Looking forward to. It. I'll be praying for you. Mm-hmm. You know, and then saying goodbye and then greeting each other. So a lot of different ways you can do it and add up to that. So any, go ahead.
1: You could listen to a CMR yep. podcast together. <laughs> There roughly you go, baby. thirty minutes, yep. and just start to add. But again, even watching TV together. Yeah, that's exactly right. You are doing something uh, but it's together. together. Yeah.
0: So another one that I think is interesting that people have talked a little bit about when it comes to Gottman, uh, and I use this one quite a bit, uh, Tim, and I love, love to hear your response to this one. Um, one of the major causes of marital dissatisfaction and divorce, he has found, is the birth of the first baby. So what he has found is that 67% of couples in our newlywed study underwent a drop in marital satisfaction uh, the first time they became parents, right? The remaining 33%, however, did not. So what he found was those who, for couples who didn't experience a drop in marital satisfaction had a big difference. The husbands in this case didn't get left behind or didn't get left out or didn't themselves opt out of parent, parenting. That is this. They maintained an active role in both their wife's life and in their child's life, hmm. their new child, and they engaged with their wife. And he called this having an accurate, detailed love map of what makes your wife or each other tick. And so they, you continue to know your spouse's goals, mm. their worries, uh. their hopes, their fears, versus those who experienced this dissatisfaction oftentimes were those who kind of disengaged from from the connection with the other person and that he used and he begins to talk about this thing called the love map. If you want to maintain a good, strong connection with your spouse, keep familiar with their inner world. What do they dream about? What do they hope for? And look at when you're able to do that. It goes back to this notion also of spending more time together, right? This baby takes away from time. You kind of disengage. Oh, that's their world. Well, now all of a sudden, this all-consuming part for one or the other of being a parent can take you away from each other. Those who don't experience that Spend some time together and learning
1: that, Chris. I love the idea of a love map, but it's going to take a lot of work. Yep. Like I, I think I thought of like Noreen when she has the birth of our first child, but mm-hmm. then add another child. If uh, you were to say to Noreen, yep. "Hey, what are your hopes and dreams right now?" She said, "I hope to be in bed by nine <laughs> yeah, o'clock." That's right, because women yep. can t- you lose yourself, yep. and men tend to. We still jump into the career, yep. and we pour ourselves. So this love map sounds great yep. philosophically, but it's going to take work yep. to say. You know, uh, there's a proverb in the Old Testament that says, a person's thoughts are deep waters, and the job of a conversationalist is to surface this. So that love map, I love that idea, but it's gonna take some work. Yep, it is, and I think the way you can apply this, for example, then to uh, someone
0: who's just in a dating relationship, or or you know you're in a friendship, is simply this: it's being aware of that person, being aware of their world, seeking them out, mm-hmm. asking them how they're going. I, I know for me, for example, when people stop and you know they're interested and they and they remember something. Hey, how did your week go? Oh, hey, how did your talk go? Hey, how was that interaction? Or did how did that thing go that we were praying for you? All of a sudden now, it's like wow they've been thinking about me? And that's, that's another idea of his uh, awareness of this map.
1: And another way to, to uncover the map, I remember in grad school where we, you know, everybody's losing their minds, and Maureen would simply say to me, hey, what do you need from me right now? Because I don't know. Right? Yep. Do you want me to like ask how your classes were paper? And I'll be like, No, I just need quiet. I need just slide chocolate chip cookies underneath <laughs> the door. So sometimes, don't think that it's just intuitive about the love map right. to say, Listen, right now, what do you need most from me? And Maureen, I think when the kids were young, would say, I need you to bathe these kids, get them down, and I need a back rub. Yeah. And I'm like, done. Yep. And then let's see if that leads to another love map. Maybe, I don't know how the spirit leads. I don't know. I'm here, Lord, use me, kind of a thing. Um, Hey, there's another thing I I really appreciate about Gottman as we're wrapping up this segment. He talks about validation. And and by validation, he means, and and it's kind of like what you were saying, Chris, I at least want to know what's happening in your world. Mm -hmm. And I want to validate the difficulty of it. Yeah. It doesn't mean I agree with it. For, mm-hmm. for example, let's say this. Let's say you have a roommate who's just overcommitted, mm-hmm. just crazy busy. Mm-hmm. On one hand, you wanna say to this roommate, this is insane. You have no time for us, our friendship. You have no time to be around the apartment. You are too busy, and you're not doing any one thing well. Mm-hmm. Now, he's, Gottman later is gonna call that uh, critiquing the person, mm-hmm. but validation is simply this. It's saying based on what I know of your schedule, Mm -hmm. you must be really tired. Uh, uh, Life must be kinda crazy right now. Mm -hmm. See, we don't wanna do that Mm -hmm. because I think, no, no, no. You see, I am now condoning you're busy. Mm -hmm. And I wanna say, no, 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 I'm not condoning it. Mm -hmm. I am recognizing with all the plates you have spinning right now, life must be insane, though I desperately wanna critique the fact that Mm -hmm. I think you have too many plates. Mm -hmm. But the place to start, says Gottman, is validate that life is just crazy, even if it's like a self-inflicted wound, Mm -hmm. but at least validate that Mm -hmm. life's kinda crazy and see uh, life through the perspective of your spouse or roommate.
0: I think that's a great way and a great approach to, to opening a conversation now with somebody that can go beyond just a surface level. When you validate, they they felt they feel heard, right? Yeah. And I think that's one of the keys in this is being able to say, you know what? It is really busy. And then that kind of self-awareness starts to kick in, like, yeah, it is busy, and this is hard, and I haven't been able to do this well, and I'm really struggling with this. And then you could begin a
1: dialogue that way in a conversation, so... Yeah, absolutely. But we we wanna jump in and say, yeah, no wonder you're tired. Yeah, that's right. Too many plates. Yeah, And that is gonna produce a defensive response from that person. So it's all timing. Mm -hmm. If if there's anything about the book of Proverbs, remember that, that great proverb that says, a word spoken in the right circumstance is yeah. compared to fine jewelry by yeah. the writer of Proverbs. Yeah. And I think we need to know timing, yeah. seasons, yeah. and when to say certain kind of things. So Gottman, I think, I think his five to one ratio, I think his love map, it sets up an environment yeah. that you can eventually have these difficult conversations. Yep. And um, in another podcast, we're gonna talk about how Gottman... Talks about starting hard conversations and what surely will derail any conversation. He calls them the four horsemen of our relational apocalypse. Be great stuff. That'll be the subject of our next podcast.
0: Yeah, let's put it into this next sub, uh, this next podcast and talk a little bit about that. You know, as we end here too, um, there are just some things that we can see as positives, but we can also learn. I think this is the point that. Uh, the, the, what we'll talk about next is that we can also see how do marriages succeed, how do relationships thrive, how do we make them work, but looking at the negative, at the things that don't go well, yep. can be just as instructive, right? Just
1: as instructive. Yeah. All
0: right, I'll tell you what, Dr. Muehoff, it's been good oh, it's hanging great. out and visiting with you and doing this. Uh, and Calling uh,
1: me Dr. Muehoff was a positive. <laughs> I consider right.
0: that a positive. Yeah, I was going to buy you a pony, but that me <laughs> was not going to work and, and fit in here. Thank you for just hanging out with us today yes. on The Art of Relationships, and today the science of relationships, right? We'll continue this next time uh, when we look a little bit deeper into some of the work of John Gottman. Thanks for being with us here today and uh, we'll look forward to you next time.